0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: This is the big nasty, yeah, big nasty Hall of Fame Tempe Buccaneer fan, baby.
0: This is Mike Allstott, Tempe Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast.
1: Cannon Fire Podcast, brother!
0: You ain't listening, and you're missing out. woo
1: Week 9 of the NFL season is officially upon us. And that means the 6-2 Tampa Bay Buccaneers have their sights set on Sunday night football. As they take on the 5-2 New Orleans Saints in Raymond James Stadium. And the winner of this game pretty much takes control of the NFC South. So without a doubt, the biggest Bucs game we have ever covered on this show talking about meaningful football in week nine. November, the Buccaneers leading the division. This is a dream come true. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's game preview on the Cannon Fire podcast. Back at you today for episode 143. We got a great show lined up for you today as we go over everything you need to know about this Sunday night's matchup against New Orleans. I'm your host as always, Rhett Matthew. Joined alongside me, as always, is usually my good buddy and co-host, the Philly Bucks fan himself, Mr. Evan Wanish, but if you guys listen to our Monday show, Evan's actions on Monday night, they uh, they got him suspended for this one, So, so no Evan Wanish. But don't fret, don't be alarmed, no worries whatsoever, very excited to say that the honorary third member of CFP is here filling in once again. You know him as Mr. Bucks Nation, a.k.a. James Hill. Welcome back to the show, my friend.
0: Thanks for having me, man. I, You know, darn shame that, you know, Evan's actions got him suspended. You know, it is what it is. Um, it's that next man up mentality, you know. Absolutely. It really, and, I mean, it really you know is. what?
1: While we're on the topic, I guess we kind of have to give him some props. Uh, Props to Evan. He took it on the chin. He he said he wasn't going to dispute it. Him and his agent talked about it, and we've been in conversations with his people. He's going to serve the suspension. Um, Whatever comes of it is what comes of it, but he's in good spirits about it, and so are we. So let's get this show underway. Very, very excited about it. Before we get into the game preview and the injury report like we normally do, we got some big Buccaneer news that we need to talk about. Ryan Suckup. The man with no nickname, I have yet to come up with a nickname other than Suckup Doesn't Suck, but Ryan Doesn't Suck, Suckup, wins the NFC Special Teams Player of the Week after single-leggedly keeping us in the game against the New York Giants on Monday Night Football. His week looked like this. Four for four on his field goals, longest one of the night was 43 yards and 13 total points. Just a big exhale from Bucks Nation altogether. James, dare I say it, I, I think we finally have a kicker.
0: You know, uh, it, it feels good to actually have a kicker, one, be Special Teams Player of the Week for the NFC, and then two, I mean, it's gotten to the point now where I don't even have to uh, look away from the TV anymore, you know, uh, whenever we're out there trying to make field goals. So it feels good, man. It feels really good, you know? Uh, I know the Bucks have had literally one of the worst kicking situations in the entire NFL for the past, like, 12 years, but... Fingers crossed, man, (laughs) you know? I mean, (laughs) Suckup can be that guy. We need to develop a nickname for him, though, because Bradley Pinion's the people's champ. Right. What's Ryan Suckup? We have to figure that one out.
1: Well, like I said, I've just been calling him Ryan doesn't suck suck Suckup for the most part, and I think it works pretty well off of his last name. But if you guys have any nicknames, make sure you let us know. We are open to suggestions. But congratulations to big number three for taking home the hardware this week representing Tampa Bay. Really quickly as well, for the game this weekend, I'm sure the line's going to change, but I think the Buccaneers are actually favored by a couple of points coming into this one, which is pretty shocking when you're going up against a team like New Orleans, but when push comes to shove, we'll see what happens on Sunday night, but I'll tell you guys what, if you want to take advantage and put some money on that game, the best place to do it responsibly is with our friends over at BetOnline.ag. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any other place online. And of course, they've always got their online casino, which never, ever closes. So make sure you head over to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses that they have got going on. Once again, BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook expert and a proud sponsor of the Cannon Fire podcast. Let's get into some of the news this week. First things first, the injury report for the Buccaneers. A couple of question marks on the injury report this week. You got a couple of big names and some guys that, frankly, we just don't see on there very often. So uh, let's go ahead and break it down from the top of the list. This is, by the way, this is for Wednesday's walkthrough practice. So these are subject to change, but I do really feel like we have a general idea of who's going to play, aside from a couple of guys on this list. But let's get into it. Cornerback Jamel Dean with illness did not participate. Kind of weird, but, uh, you know, between you and me, I think Jamel Dean should be fine to suit up on Sunday.
0: Yeah, with uh, with illnesses these days, um, you really never know, do you? So I, I'm, I'm sure they're taking every precaution possible. Uh, maybe it's just like a stomach bug or something. You know, who knows? I think at the end of the day, he will be fine. Get some liquids in you, man. Take take, and take some rest, and uh, he'll be good to go for it's Sunday night.
1: It's all about those electrolytes, bro. I know when I'm sick and I've gotten upset, tummy Gatorade is just numero uno on my priority list to get me feeling better again. <laughs> next up, another injury along that secondary. It's safety Mike Edwards with a groin injury. He was limited participation, but I have a feeling he'll be good to go on Sunday. Now, this <laughs> next one is a bit of a weird situation, but... Um, credit to this player for being proactive about it that's big defensive lineman Will Golston he was placed on the reserve slash COVID-19 list and he actually came out and made a public statement and said um, earlier this offseason he had actually contracted the virus he got through it and he's been fine ever since but at some point between the Giants game and practice yesterday he had come in contact with somebody outside of the facility who had tested positive and that just kind of leaves him where he is now. He said he's going to self-quarantine for a couple of days, so his status for Sunday is also kind of up in the air.
0: Okay, well now – okay, I did not know that he had made a public statement regarding that. But yeah. I I would think that since he already had it uh, and he's it's already passed through his system, doesn't that mean – I don't think he's immune, but doesn't that mean he's unlikely to get it again?
1: Yeah, I think he has a better chance of not having it show up in his system once again. But, you know, kind of like I said, I think he's just being proactive. And in yeah. the landscape of the NFL, which we've seen COVID do some terrible things to locker rooms, I think it's good on him for just kind of, you know, F it. Take a day or two off of practice. You know, it it, it is what it is. I would rather him be safe than sorry at the end of the day, for sure. <laughs>
0: Yeah. So so just in terms of his availability, then for this upcoming game, I mean, now I would assume that he is more way more likelier yeah. to play in this game than I than what I had originally thought, because I would thought, you know, if he's on the the illness list, you know, with with the pandemic and everything like he's probably not going to play, you know, um, but it seems like. Okay, if it was of his own doing, he already had it. I think even the NFL now has rules where if you're asymptomatic and you're not showing any symptoms, like you can still play, I think, is the is the talk. Is it not?
1: Uh, I haven't heard specifically on that situation, but I can tell you for Will Golston, while his status is still up in the air, like you and I said, I think he has a pretty good shot of playing this Sunday and definitely a big blow to that Bucks defensive line if he does not because he is right. huge in run support. And, um, you know, we've seen him be even more important since the absence of Vita Vea. So you're already down Vita Vea up against the Saints team who isn't scared to try and run the ball on you. Having William Golston not out there would be a big blow, but I think he should be good to go. The next name on this injury report is a guy who has a 50-50 shot of playing this week. That is wide receiver Chris Godwin with a finger injury that we've talked about He was limited participation on Wednesday, but remember, Wednesday was just walkthroughs. It wasn't fully padded. Um, You know, it wasn't live-action practice, and Bruce Arians actually came out after practice on Wednesday, and he had said, you know, we're not really going to know if he can catch a football and be ready to go until Friday. So, uh, until then, you know, Chris Godwin, another guy whose status for Sunday is up in the air.
0: Yeah, so for, for Chris Godwin, I know last week when he had fractured his finger, um... Bruce Arians felt pretty confident that he was going to be able to play this upcoming game here versus the Saints. Um, I tend to believe that he would probably play. I think so, especially given the matchup and everything like that. I mean, honestly, even if he can't catch a football that well, just getting him out there, right. you know, it, w- it will will cause enough of a distraction to be something productive for this offense, you know? I mean fair credit, I mean, Scotty Miller would be a fine villain, but, you know, just having Chris Godwin out there, even if he isn't 100%, he can't catch football 100%, you know, still being able to get him out there would be, I think, a very good thing. So I think overall, I'm going to lean more towards the idea that he's probably going to play.
1: I think so, too. And, and, you know, we've talked about before, there have been guys in that receiver room who have kind of had to play a decoy role this season just because they're not entirely healthy. We saw Mike Evans do it where he's taking the attention of a double team, even though he's not 100%. He's still going to garner a double team attention. So with Chris Godwin on the field, between Mike Evans feeling good, ready to go for Sunday, which is very exciting, and then, of course, Antonio Brown being added to the mix, having Chris Godwin out there is all that much more important, regardless of if he is huge in the game plan or not because – We've seen this offense without Chris Godwin on the field, and it uh, it is lackluster to say the least. Mm-hmm. But next guy on this injury report is another one in a name that you just don't see. Um, he's played every single snap this season, played every single snap of the Monday night game. That is left guard, big number seventy four, Ali Marpet, concussion mm-hmm. protocol, did not practice on Wednesday. If he has a shot at playing Sunday, he has to pass concussion protocol. And, you know, for an offensive lineman, I hate to say that my expectations are for him to bounce back a little bit quicker. Um, it seems unfair, for sure. But it it is kind of a scary thought because, uh, you know, as we've said, we talk about this offensive line. We give them credit and we give them criticism exactly where it's due. But Ali Marpet is quietly having an all-pro season so far. So that would be the biggest blow to this Bucks team is he is not ready to go Sunday night.
0: Yeah, so do we do we know how he sustained this concussion? Was he he wasn't knocked out of the Giants game, was he? No, he played every single snap in the Giants game and it's
1: really weird because I've heard conflicting reports. I've heard some people say that it happened during the game. I saw something else say that it happened like he fell at home or something. I, I don't uh, I don't have a concrete source um so I, I don't know. Like, I won't pretend that I do, but I have no idea. But I, I guess it doesn't really matter because he's still showing up on the injury report either way. But definitely, some yeah, news.
0: Yeah. So that that would be a huge blow to this offense if they lose Ali Marpet for this game. um I do hope he does pass the concussion protocol. I mean, obviously, if if he's not ready to play, then don't play him because concussions are scary things. Yeah. But. Uh, with the Buccaneers offensive line, you know, Ali Marpet's playing like one of the best guards, if not the best guard in the NFL. And to have him be lost and Donovan Smith struggled in week one versus the Saints. I mean, that left side of the offensive line could be a, a glaring weakness in this upcoming game if Marpet can't go
1: and if Marpet isn't out there I want to believe that you know we saw them get creative um against the Giants where they brought out the 6-0 lineman set and they had Joe Haig basically play left tackle next to Donovan Smith um I'm not sure if you plug Joe Haig into that left guard spot to be honest with you I'm not entirely sure who they have behind Ali Marpet that could be as serviceable I think Haig is the first name that comes to mind but you know, we could see them just play Donovan Smith at guard and hey, get left tackle. I mean, if they're going to roll the dice like that. But I have to believe that they have a solid game plan. This is a Saints pass rush that does not mess around. So if you're going into it without Ali Marpet, you definitely need to have a plan. So I'm curious to see what they draw up. But um, yeah, possibilities seem uh, kind of endless along that O-line if you don't have Big 74 out there. So hopefully, fingers crossed, we will see him suit up in the Red and Pewter this Sunday night. Let's wrap up with a couple more names on the injury report. Wide receiver Scotty Miller with a hip-slash-groin injury, limited participation. Scooter should be good to go. He's kind of popped up on the injury report with this hip-slash-groin injury for weeks. Um, He's been nursing it for a little while, but we've seen him perform, and I think he should be good to go. Outside linebacker Jason Pierre-Paul, who is on here for the same thing every single week. Uh, Knee injury, limited participation. That's just JPP, man. He's going to be good to go for Sunday. I have zero doubts that we will see 90 suit up and hopefully be wrecking the hell out of Drew Brees. And last but not least, safety Antoine Winfield Jr. with a shoulder injury was full participation. So the man who called game against the Giants will be good to go for Sunday night. Let's go over the Saints injury report as they have got an extensive one as well. First name on this list, quarterback Drew Brees. Right shoulder injury, limited participation. Listen, I have heard the conspiracy theories that, like, you know, oh, Drew Brees might not play. We might see Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston. No, we're, we're going to see Drew Brees. Um, I have no doubt that he's going to play in this game. He knows what's at stake. Both teams know what's at stake. They're going to bring their best and brightest as, as much as they can. And, uh, yeah, Drew Brees will be under center for New Orleans.
0: Yeah, uh, well, is it on his throwing shoulder? I, I think it is. Yeah, it's his right shoulder. So that's going to be interesting. I mean, I expect Drew Brees to play, obviously. But if his throwing shoulder is a little bit sore, I mean, that's something that the Bucks could take advantage of there.
1: Oh, yeah. And this is a guy who this season already, you know, we've seen the Saints move away from really forcing the ball downfield. And I hate to say it like this, but it, it, Drew Brees just can't do it anymore. Like, he, he, he's still a good quarterback. He's still going to get the ball out quick, and I think if the Bucks aren't prepared, he's going to slice and dice them on Sunday night. But mm. he's not going to take those long 50, 45, 40-yard 40 shots that you see a lot of the times, at least that we're used to seeing against the Bucks defense. But, yeah, that shoulder injury could definitely play a part in uh, his performance Sunday night. Next up on the Saints injury report, wide receiver Marquez Callaway with an ankle injury is limited participation Center-slash-guard Nick Easton with a concussion protocol, he cleared that. He was full participation on Wednesday. Defensive back Justin Hardy with a groin injury did not participate, so his stat is still somewhat up in the air. Running back Alvin Kamara with a foot injury was limited participation, but Alvin Kamara came out and he said he's going to play. He's not missing this game, and again, like I said before, both of these teams know what's at stake, so I think a lot of your 50-50 guys are definitely going to suit up and see the field.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that um same case in the the way with Drew Brees though uh could hamper him a little bit you know I mean if that foot starts bothering him at some point during the game you know that that could affect their offense now of course the same thing can be said for those 50-50 guys on the Bucks, but I mean Drew Brees seems a little shaken up Alvin Kamara seems a little shaken up I'm sure we'll get to the third guy here in a minute here but like uh yeah some of the top guys on this Saints offense are coming into this game a little bit hobbled. That that could affect some th- some things in the game.
1: Oh, without a doubt. Let's wrap it up. We got two more names on this injury report. Defensive tackle Sheldon Rankins with a knee injury did not participate. So again, another guy who's kind of a question mark, and uh, that's really big for the middle of the line because as we talked about, Bucks potentially could be missing all-pro guard Ali Marpet. So uh, Sheldon Rankins isn't there. That might be a little bit of a break for that interior O-line.
0: Yeah, that's, that would be huge. You know, that would be absolutely huge. And, and if Marpet can't go, I don't know who they would put in there, be it Joe Hag, be it uh, maybe AQ Shipley, you know, whoever they need to put in there. But um, not having to deal with Sheldon Rankins would be a pretty decent benefit. Now, I know they have a backup defensive tackle. His name is Roach, I believe, is his last name. I think that he's pretty good as well in terms of run defense. But Sheldon Rankins can do it all. So if he can't go, I mean... That's a, that's a counter blow for the Saints' defensive line if the Buccaneers' um, Ali Marpet can't go.
1: Absolutely. Now, the last name on this injury report, oh, slant boy himself, Michael Thomas, wide receiver with an ankle-slash-hamstring injury, limited participation. It looks like for Sunday Night Football, the Saints are going to get back their number 13. And uh, you brought it up with Drew Brees and Kamara, but it really looks like the trifecta of the Saints' offense is... Definitely not coming into this game 100%. And that's Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara, and, of course, Michael Thomas, who we just mentioned.
0: Yeah, so, yep, he was the third guy that I was thinking of in terms of guys who are dealing with nagging injuries. Um, he should play. I mean, I, I, I'm i assuming that he is playing. Yeah. Michael Thomas has had such a weird year, man. Last time he did play in a regular season game this year was week one against the Bucks. So he was dealing with an ankle injury that he had sustained in the Bucks game. Then, before he could come back from that, he punched a teammate. (laughs) Ha! Uh, Then, after that, uh, he was dealing with a hamstring injury. So, he has not been having a great 2020. I mean, really, nobody has. But, uh, you know, overall, he just hasn't been able to get on the field, be it injury, be it him punching a teammate, uh, or, or whatever else he's been dealing with. I mean, I will say this, he's probably chomping at the bit to get back here and play some football. So... Uh, it's just coincidental that it's against the Bucks again. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, Carlson Davis kind of put him on lockdown last time they played. So Yeah,
1: without a doubt. It'll be interesting to see what Sunday night's matchup brings, but definitely looking forward to it. We've got another bit of news about the Buccaneers before we really get into this game preview. He is back, folks. Antonio Brown was officially activated off of the Uh, suspended-slash-reserve list, I think is what it's referred to. But he had his first practice as a Buccaneer on Wednesday. He had a press conference, and uh, to be honest with you, it really seemed like he said all the right things. Um, He comes off as focused, fully aware of what's at stake, everything that we've talked about for weeks on end up until this point since the signing. One press conference can only go so far, but from what I've seen, from a football mentality standpoint, he seems ready to go.
0: Yeah, uh, they tried, you know. I mean, fair credit, the media is doing their jobs, man, but they, <laughs> they, they tried. Yeah, they were you throwing know? some heaters at them. Yeah, they were, th- I mean, expectedly and deservedly so. But, I mean, Antonio Brown, I mean, he did exactly he did exactly what i thought he would do where he repeated a lot of the same answers in the press conference which does not surprise me with the saying you know i'm just trying to put my hand in the pile i'm so happy to be here i'm so excited i think he said that for maybe like six questions so so
1: grateful for the opportunity
0: right and i have no problems with that but the way he said it was uh kind of what threw me off a little bit you know what i mean like i saw somebody comment on the video uh that the bucks uploaded and said man He sounds like the most innocent person and he's trying to sound like the most innocent person in the world. And obviously, we we don't have enough time today to delve into all the things that have been bothering him for the past year and a half. But I will say, first and foremost, if he is mentally healthy, 100 percent, you know, and physically healthy, 100 percent, that's all you can ask for. You know, that really is all you can ask for. So. It does look like he is focused. It does look like he's ready to go. And that's really all that we want, <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah. That's, it, ri- it. that's you know, we don't want anything crazy with him. We well, well, let me rephrase that. We don't need we don't need anything like over the top and him saying like, "Yeah, man, I'm ready to go. I'm gonna take over the league. I'm I'm gonna be a 1000%." Just him saying, "I feel a lot better." You know, I'm ready to help out in any way I can. I owe a lot to this organization. I owe a lot to Bruce Arians and Tom Brady, and I'm excited to work with guys like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. That's Chris all Goodwin. we needed. We got, a, we got Chris, a
1: Chris Goodwin in another press conference. That's like two for two this year, I think.
0: Yeah, it, Chris, Chris <laughs> Goodwin, you know, and, and that's all we needed. That's the only answers we needed. Yeah.
1: No, I get it, man. And I'll tell you a common theme of what we've seen so far and what we've heard Between Tom Brady, they talked about him being connected with Tony Robbins. There's a lot of familiarity on this coaching staff. Bruce Arians, you got Antoine Randall L., Byron Leftwich. These are all guys who can help him in a positive way. And he said it himself. He seems focused on being a better person. And, and, you know, uh, off the field issues aside, innocent until proven guilty, listen, from a football standpoint, This is an exciting move, and I am curious to see how it plays out on Sunday, but I'll say this, I think his success, I said this on uh, Tuesday's show, not Monday's show, but I said this on the game review show as well, I really think his success is dependent on how much of Chris Godwin we see. Um, You know, Mike Evans, if Chris Godwin isn't on the field, it really seems like a simple formula to just put a double team on Mike Evans and call it a day on this Buccaneers offense, but... Of course, Antonio Brown being one of the greatest wide receivers in the NFL for the past, I don't know, 15 seasons, he definitely puts a fork in those plans if anybody's trying to neutralize this offense. But if we don't see Chris Godwin, I hate to be you know overly optimistic here, but I'm expecting a huge day from Antonio Brown because at the end of the day, you know he's kept himself in good physical shape. Um, he seems ready to go. He seems hungry. He seems humbled. He seems focused. And at the end of the day, if he's open... Brady's going to throw it to him. So if Mike Evans is, you know, commanding a double team and you don't have number 14 out there, then I expect to see number 81 have himself a field day in his Red and Pewter debut.
0: Yeah, I believe that 100%. You know, exactly like what you said, um he seems focused. He he's he's got the obvious chemistry with Tom Brady. I don't know if you saw but in the press conference, uh did you see that he was wearing a TB12? Oh, dude, it hat? was my
1: it was my favorite part about it. My uh my girlfriend's family is all Steelers fans. And mm-hmm. I took a screenshot of the press conference and I sent it to her mom. And I was like, here's something that will ruin your day. Antonio Brown in a Tom Brady hat in front of a Buccaneers
0: podium. Like, yeah. dude, who the hell would have thought? No, uh, nobody would have thought. And it's just – I I wonder. I wonder if he is on that TB12 lifestyle now. Oh. I, I would not – I, I uh, heard – from uh, from uh, somebody who, would talk, who I was talking to recently that he, I, I believe that he is living at Tom Brady's house again. Yep. Brady Brady S- opened up his house, and, and he's been staying there in the meantime. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I would not be surprised if Antonio Brown's picking up some of that TV-12 lifestyle, you know? I mean, maybe taking some of those uh, those wellness vitamins that Tom's got, maybe those immunity tablets. Who knows, you know? I mean, it, it, One thing I can say for sure, you know, is that Tom is going to try his hardest to take care of Antonio Brown. You know, we we heard that mentioned in the in the uh, in the press conference a little bit as well. They asked him about that. And it seems like that they have just got this insane mutual respect for each other. And Tom's ready to do whatever he can to make sure Antonio Brown is ready to go.
1: Yeah, I think one of the best questions that came out of that press conference came from a guy named Mark Cook. Um, Maybe you folks have heard of him before, but I mean, it it was probably the uh, the biggest heater question that I saw throughout the press conference. But he straight up asked Antonio Brown, he said, why does Tom Brady believe in you? He has opened his house to you twice. Really seems like he wants to see you succeed. So not only as a football player, but as a person, why does Tom Brady believe in you? And I watched it live and I was like, oh, my God. So, a
0: great question,
1: and a question. Sorry, that's like
0: that's a question that would make somebody cry. I feel like you know what I mean. Like that that makes somebody get emotional. Listen, depending on the mental state
1: that he was in for that conference, that question could have gone either you know one of two ways. But luckily, it went the way that was very civilized, and I like the answer that was said. Um, Antonio Brown. He said, "You know, me and Tom have a lot of things in common. We were." Sixth round guys who supposedly weren't supposed to make it. And we both have an obsession with being the best of all time. Um, So I think that's a dynamic that you definitely want on your football team, especially in a season like this. And, you know, just another one of those moves that the Buccaneers made this season that could potentially lead to a very deep playoff run. So looking forward to see how it develops. And Sunday night, all eyes will be on Mr. Big Chest himself, number 81. Really quickly before we get into the game preview. I want to give a shout-out to my man Brevard Bucks on Twitter uh, for giving us a shout. He, he took advantage of the special deal with our friends over at seattleshirt.com, and he got himself a creamsicle Warren Sapp jersey just in time for this week's game. Over at the Seattle Shirt Company, Jay and his team have an unbelievable selection of NFL and NBA jerseys for everyone on your list this year. These jerseys are 100% authentic. They range from current superstars like LeBron James to all-time legends like Jim Brown, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Walter Payton. And like I just mentioned, if you want some Buccaneers creamsicle in your life, they have got Warren Sapp, big number 99 in stock. They've got it all. And right now, for our listeners, you can take advantage of the same deal that our buddy Ethan did. We have a special one-time-only pre-Black Friday slash Cyber Monday deal. Everything you buy over at SeattleShirt.com is 30% off. So head over to SeattleShirt.com, enter the code Believe B-L-E-A-V, once again, that is code B-L-E-A-V, and you get 30% off of your entire order. Of course, with Seattle Shirt Company, shipping is always free. So make sure you go check it out, seattleshirt.com. Once again, Seattle Shirt Company, a very proud sponsor of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Let's get into this game preview. Without okay. a doubt, the biggest game the Bucks have played in what feels like 10 seasons. It, it yeah. really does not seem like we have played a game at this point in the season that holds this much weight.
0: Yeah, I'm just happy that we're in a situation where the Bucks are 6-2, Oh, playing yeah, the five isn't? and two, you know, playing <laughs> the five and two Saints, you know, in week nine. And it's a basically a battle for the division. You know, I mean, that doesn't that has not happened in such I can't such a long time. Yeah. You, you know, and it, it feels good. It feels so good. It's, it's almost therapeutic, you know. So So to have this opportunity and be in the spot that we're in right now, it feels amazing.
1: And I hate to say it this way, but, you know, I'm almost glad that we lost to this team week one um, because the simple fact is this. The Buccaneers are still first place in the NFC South over the New Orleans Saints. And I'm sure a lot of players in that Bucks locker room remember in the offseason Cam Jordan talking out of his ass saying that, well, you know, Tampa Bay is a team that's going to be playing for second place. And um, since they've lost week one, they've pretty much been in the lead of the division since then. So uh, this is definitely a a game for them to settle the score. And uh, if the Buccaneers win, they definitely take firm control of the NFC South. And And I think this is a game that obviously could go either way. Division games are like that. But whoever wins this game will probably win the NFC South. And that is just, again... You know, talking about Bucks football, meaningful football in November is just a new concept here on the show, and and we're very very excited about it. Um, it it's almost like I don't know what to do with my hands. Like you know that you know that scene from Talladega Nights where he's like, I don't really know what to do with my hands. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm just so pumped, and, and this is this is going to be it a game. Um, this is going to be a game. Yeah, this is potentially could be game of the year for the Bucks, and uh, overall, man. What are your expectations? Is this a close one? Is it high scoring, low scoring? What 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 you thinking?
0: I think that this is going to be a lot closer of a game than what week one was. And to be honest, week one, the only reason week one went the way it was is because the Buccaneers allowed that to happen. It was a new team. They were still finding chemistry as well. Right. So this team is dramatically different than what we saw in week one especially with the current reinforcements coming out of Antonio Brown. So I expect this to be a lot closer of a game. I'm not going to say that it's going to be a blowout one way or the other because I just don't think that that, that's going to happen. But I think it's going to be a relatively high-scoring close game. Yeah, I'm with you. And When it comes to high scoring, that leads
1: me to this first point. I think this is a game where you're going to have to expect the offense to keep them in it. It's not that I don't believe in this defense, but the facts are this Uh, new Orleans is going to show you a similar looking offense as to what the giants showed us on Monday night. It's going to be a lot of quick release. It's going to be a lot of short plays. It's going to be a lot of slant routes with Michael Thomas on the field. It's going to be a lot of dumps to the running back. And um, that seems like that's the biggest weakness of this bucks defense is if they don't get there on the blitz, well, all you got to do is dump it off to the running back in the flat, and he's going to get you 15 yards every single time. And, you know, we saw this Bucks defense as well. Getting pressure on Drew Brees is obviously priority number one to slowing him down. He gets the ball out so damn quickly, but... I, I don't have that much confidence that this Bucks defense is going to put pressure on him without the blitz. Um, you know, you've got two great pass rushers. I mean, it's not to say that Jason Pierre-Paul isn't having himself a good season. Shaq Barrett has been a little bit more quiet than we're used to. But I just think without the blitz, you're not going to get there. And that's a really big piece in slowing down the Saints offense, even though they're not airing it out like they used to they can still slice and dice you on those short gains. And that's what we saw New York do in the first half. And uh, the Bucks really didn't have an answer for it. So I think this is going to, you know, rack it up on the scoreboard simply because the Saints are just, they're going to move the ball effectively. And um, they're going to do a little bit better than New York did. Because I don't think you're going to see Drew Brees throw two picks this Sunday.
0: Yeah, the big thing with this, I mean, Ryan Ramchick, Teron Armstead are still out there. They did a really good job in week one, as they should. They're two of the best tackles in the entire NFL um and really the the kryptonite to the Buccaneers defense is what Drew Brees already does anyway. You yep. know, is throw the short passes. I don't know if you saw, but I, I just took a look at this a day or two ago in terms of um intended air yards on completions, I believe. Dead last. Dead last with like five point five. And I believe that Drew and I, and I believe that Tom Brady's, you know, around eighth with like an eight point seven or an eight point nine. And Drew's just dead last. Alvin Kamara so far this year, 66 targets, over 50 catches, over 600 receiving yards. So can you can you guess who's you know gonna be a big <laughs> factor here in the passing game? Now I get it. Jared Cook has not played a handful of games. Michael Thomas basically hasn't played the whole year. That does factor into that a little bit. But I mean, Drew Brees probably would have done that a decent amount anyway. So overall, yeah. It's the short game that really does get this Buccaneers defense on blitzing. I'm going to be curious to see what Todd Bulls does um, in terms of just overall pressure and things like that. Because, yeah, it, it, like like you said, it, it's going to be very difficult without the blitz to get pressure on Drew Brees. We already know that, you know. But um, it's basically going to be a necessity to blitz. So I don't know how they're going to counteract guys like Alvin Kamara in the short yardage game. We'll just have to wait and see.
1: Absolutely. Now, it should come as no surprise that this New Orleans Saints offense is going to funnel most of their offensive game plan through number 41. Um, but I'll tell you this, I, I do want to come out and say I'm pretty confident that we can slow them down on the run. Um, yeah, the Giants game was one thing. I don't know what it was about the Giants and their no-name running back having the biggest game of the year against this Bucks run defense. But even if you don't have Will Golston out there, I just... You know, it's, it, I guess it depends on how much they really shove them into the A-gap, but I still think that they can wrap them up. And, and you know, that should be a really big priority for this defense as well. Is, yeah, you're not going to slow down Alvin Kamara every single time, but if you can stop any team's run game, you automatically make them one-dimensional. And I think it just makes it a little bit easier to adjust throughout the evening. So we'll see what happens, but I, I still feel pretty confident about this run defense. I don't think the Saints are going to have a big day on the ground.
0: Yeah, I, I especially think, you know, in week one, we saw that while Alvin Kamara, I, I will stand by this. I think that Alvin Kamara is one of the most, if not the most frustrating running back to stop in the NFL. Yeah, I don't think that's too crazy to say, especially whenever you whenever you got a guy like Drew Brees throwing him the football, you know, who is just be a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback. He's still precise in his throwing. You know, he might not have the arm strength as much anymore, but he's still as accurate as can be. And it's just so frustrating to deal with a guy like Alvin Kamara. But in week one, we saw that overall, he wasn't able to do a ton of what he wanted to do. Now, he didn't have a terrible game, but he didn't have an Alvin Kamara type game. Right. You know, so so I expect a similar result, hopefully, even with Will Golston out. And also, this is going to be the first time they they've uh, played Alvin Kamara without Vita Vea. So we'll have to keep that in mind as well. But, you know. Ndamukong he's still playing at a phenomenal level this year. Steve McClendon and uh, Nacho, I feel like, have filled in that void pretty strong in the middle of that defensive line, especially Steve McClendon. And then on that other defensive end spot, maybe you see guys like Jeremiah Ledbetter, maybe a little bit of Khalil Davis. Um, and overall, I think that guys like Levante David... Devin White and even Jason Pierre-Paul and Shaq Barrett will help a lot uh, in that run defense as well. Yeah,
1: I'll tell you one of the names that you would just mention. I'm going to be watching a lot of this Sunday on the defense and that's Devin White. Um, While he's had a great season. He really didn't have that great of a game against the Giants. He missed a couple of key tackles. And um, he just can't do that against a guy like Alvin Kamara that we've mentioned. He is going to be instrumental in holding off Alvin Kamara, that rushing attack. And, of course, if they get him going in the passing game, Devin White isn't the greatest in coverage, as we have seen. But, you know, it's really important for this Bucs defense, the linebackers in particular, to really just keep everything in front of them. Like we said, this Saints offense isn't going to throw over your head for 40 yards. Maybe they'll take a shot. I'm not saying that Drew Brees is completely enable uh, to take a shot downfield, but I just don't think he has it in him anymore. I think if you see a shot like that, it's going to be two or three times over four quarters. Like, that's, that's it. Um, yeah. But it's really important to just keep it all in front of you, slow down these quick developing plays, and get the hell off of the field. And I think Devin White has the most important role to play in that aspect for the defense. But let's talk about this offensive game plan a little bit. First and foremost, the offensive line. Already you've got some pressure with the possibility of Ali Marpet being out, but I'm going to be looking at Tristan Worse. rookie, right tackle. He did a pretty good job slowing down Cam Jordan in week one. He's going to have to do it again, and, and they're really going to have to step up to keep Brady clean.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, in week one, I mean, that really, that was the starting point. He went up against Cam Jordan, which I hate that man. I'll just be <laughs> honest. I, I know I try and be analytical with a lot of things, and I try and be very nice, I hate Cam Jordan. I cannot stand that guy. I feel the I re- same
1: way about Taysom Hill.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it, it's just the arrogance of the Saints team in general is so frustrating. Like, I get it. They're a really good team. But the arrogance is is so freaking frustrating. But, you know, and Cam Jordan being one of the lead guys to that. But in week one, Cam Jordan versus Tristan Wirth. Tristan Wirfs held up his own. Now, the other side of the offensive line, uh, Donovan Smith, did not hold up that well against backup pass rushers. But oh, man. over, but overall, Tristan Wirfs, I thought, did a pretty good job. He's been playing great this year, by the way. Uh, he has really been blowing expectations out of the water. You wouldn't even, if you were watching this and you had no idea who Tristan Wirfs was or how how old he is, you know, and that he's a rookie or anything, you would think that he's a veteran. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. I, I, I believe that 100%. So it's going to be round two. I'm sure Cam Jordan has got some new tricks up his sleeves, uh, you know, after what happened in week one. And hopefully Tristan Wurfs can respond and have another very solid game.
1: Absolutely. Now, another thing on that offense that needs to get rolling, you know, we talked about the passing attack. Mike Evans feeling good. Antonio Brown, business booming there. And then, of course, Chris Godwin with a 50-50 shot to play. Um, This is another game where you cannot be afraid to commit to the run game. Um, I know the Giants did a pretty good job at slowing down the run game between Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones, but you just got to ride the hot hand in this one. Um, I still think Rojo is going to be the first running back you see with the ball. I don't think he was in the doghouse at all, but you just got to commit to the run game. I think this is one of those games where, you know, for any offense, if your run game is humming, it makes everything a lot easier, but You know, just commit to it here. Just keep pounding the rock. And I think that you could see another big day from Ronald Jones. I really do believe that. And look, if Rojo's not getting it done, give it to Leonard Fournette. This guy has been chomping at the bit to get in there and really make a claim for himself. And, you know, from the limited workload that we've seen from him these past couple of weeks since coming back from injury, he's played some good football. So I just really want to see the running backs get involved in particular because I feel like we didn't see enough of that rushing attack, at least, you know, try to happen against New York on Monday night.
0: So let me ask you, because um, I've been asking a ton of people, and I want your thoughts on this. You may have addressed this in a in a post game, at one point, but um, or a different podcast. But do you what are your thoughts on Ronald Jones getting benched two times this season now after having a fumble? Uh
1: I I have heard from people that. You know, yeah, he was, he was benched after the fumble, but I heard that B.A. wasn't exactly, like, super mad at Ronald Jones. He was kind of mad at the call on the field because, you know, there was some controversy. It was, was he down? His knees were down. Did he give himself up kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it was a crucial fumble, and I think this team needs to just stop throwing Ronald Jones the ball. Um, I know Brady's going to see him as a safety outlet, but, God damn, just put Leonard Fournette out there if you know you're going to have him, you know, run a little dump off but I don't know I don't think Ronald Jones is in the doghouse like some people think that he is um I still think he's a great running back he's just not a good receiving back and and I have seen enough to say that I don't think he needs to be thrown the football um I think if you're in an obvious passing situation with your running back and you know that it's a possibility throw Leonard Fournette in there no he didn't have the um he had that one drop but I also think it was because Brady overthrew him a little bit. Um, but I, I I like Ronald Jones as a running back. I don't like him as a catching back, and I'll mm-hmm. I'll, I'll leave it at that. I, I think if you're in a passing situation, uh, you get number twenty-eight involved because he's going to give you a little bit more, especially when it comes to after the catch. Um, mm-hmm. But that that's just kind of where I stand on it. Stop throwing Ronald Jones a damn football.
0: Yeah, I feel yeah. It, it was it, what's so interesting to me is that you know, and again, I, I don't really have an answer for it, but like. It, it it's not really a situation where okay he fumbled okay we're gonna just have him not be a receiving back anymore they they kind of take him out of the game entirely a little bit it'll be like a quarter at a time yeah so that that's that's what's really kind of surprising to me um, so I don't know you know I, I like you said I mean Leonard Fournette has been chomping at the bit here to get more of an opportunity and he's been doing some pretty decent things when he does get those opportunities you know so we'll just have to wait and see absolutely.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, every single week here on the Game Preview Show, we wrap things up with something I like to call the Weekly Checklist. And what it is, if you're not familiar, it's basically three things that the Buccaneers are going to have to do if they want to come out victorious against the Saints this Sunday night. So let's go ahead and get into it. First thing on the Weekly Checklist, do not be scared to target Mike Evans. Look, we've talked about the chemistry between Tom Brady and Mike Evans. The fact of the matter is that Mike Evans seems like he's 100% ready to go this week, and... While Brady may not always be comfortable throwing it in a tight pocket or having a guy like Mike Evans go up and get it, he's going to do that for you. And if you don't see anything else on the field because teams have been like, oh, Mike Evans hasn't been producing, so let's just double team A-B and call it a day, he's going to get his opportunities. And uh, you need to take them when they are there. There were a couple times, not against the Giants, but against the Raiders, where I would see Mike Evans just kind of wide open, and Brady would, you know, take a shot down the field. It would be an incomplete pass to Scotty Miller or something of that nature. So I need to see that connection get going this week. I think Mike Evans' pace on offense is really going to dictate what Brady can do with the rest of his receivers. And listen, you know, just don't be scared. Don't be scared to target Mike Evans. He's a big guy, six foot five. All of them's going to go up there and get it if you throw him the football. And uh, I'm hoping for a big Mike Evans game this week because. The Saints usually do a pretty good job of shutting him down. Marshawn Lattimore seems like he's had his number, and and I think if anything, you know, what I'm looking forward to the most this week is a big redemption game for number 13 against New Orleans.
0: Yeah, I mean Marshawn Lattimore, you know, Saints fans always, you know, say that. Ah, Marshawn Lattimore, he he, he schools Mike Evans every single time they play. Well, okay, you know, whatever. But yeah, you know, it, this has actually been. Not a debate, but this has been a conversation that I've had with a lot of uh, recent Bucks fans here in recent weeks talking about how I've, I've mentioned on the YouTube channel here a couple of times that Mike Evans deserves more targets. Bruce Arians even said as much that Mike Evans should be getting 10 targets a game.
1: And Brady but, even said he wants to get him the ball more as well. So like th- this organization, the guys in that office, they know that they want to get the ball to Mike Evans.
0: Right, and I've been getting a lot of comments in response to things like that saying, you know, why why should you expect that? Tom Brady only throws to the guy that's open, and that's just how it is, so everybody should accept it. And it's like, well, I don't think that that's 100% accurate. I I, I don't think that Tom Brady just sits there and thinks, well, you know, there's no way that Tom Brady just sits there and goes, unless a guy is wide freaking (laughs) open— I'm not going to throw him the ball because then he wouldn't that wouldn't he, he wouldn't have anybody to throw to in the NFL because the margin for openness is a lot smaller. You yeah. know, like, so, so what do you expect? You know, so, uh, yes, Tom Brady should be throwing the ball more to Mike Evans. It's not a matter of, oh, well, if he's wide open, then then he'll get the ball. It's like, no, if the guy's six foot five. He's one of the most physical Imposing wide receivers in the NFL, you can throw him the ball more and take a chance or two. Yeah. Tom Brady's safe enough with the football that he can take a chance like that without having a risk of th- of throwing an interception.
1: I believe it. Hundred and percent you know, believe that the expectation of this offense, what's changed from twenty nineteen to twenty twenty, is uh, you know there were times last year and even the year before and the year before, but there were times with Jameis Winston under center. Where, you know, first and ten, first offensive series of like the second half, everybody in the stadium knew that the ball was going to go to Mike Evans. And, And Brady isn't going to try and force a connection, as you had just mentioned, but, you know, he's safe enough with the football and he's the GOAT for a reason. So, just take a chance. If you see Mike Evans, why the hell not? I would personally love to see it.
0: Sorry, go ahead. Well, because here's the thing: I get very fired up. I've been hearing about this for weeks. Uh, Look, if he's double covered, people are upset about
1: Thirteen not getting some action.
0: If he's double covered, that's one thing, right? I understand why you wouldn't want to throw him that football. One on one, throw him the football. Yeah, he's Mike Uh, Evans. Yeah, try it, okay? (laughs) And and I'm not. I don't want to hear the argument of, oh, well, he's covered, so it's a one on one. It's Mike Evans. Throw him the ball.
1: Mike Evans is built like a tight end who plays wide receiver. He he is, you know, while he's not the biggest filled out guy, he is tall. He's physical, like you mentioned, and he's just going to go up there and get it when he has to. So if it is single coverage, Mike Evans got his man beat by a couple of feet. Or even if it's a guy who is clearly 7 to 8 inches shorter than Mike Evans covering him, why the hell not? He's going to get it 9 times out of 10, and I truly believe that.
0: Yeah. And whenever you've got Tom Brady, you know, oh, Tom Brady doesn't, you know, Tom Brady will do what Tom Brady does. You got Tom Brady himself saying he wants to get Mike Evans the ball more case closed case freaking (laughs) closed. Well, Tom doesn't do that. Tom says he wants to do that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Definitely. No, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. So so big number 13 with some pressure this Sunday, but I'd love to see him deliver. Looking for a big game for Mike Evans. Second up on the weekly checklist, stopping Alvin Kamara is priority number one. We kind of went into a little bit more detail a little earlier, but for this defense, you know, these next two things on the weekly checklist actually tie into each other. So I'll go ahead and say the second one, but uh, keep it all in front of you on defense. Stopping Kamara is priority number one. As we mentioned earlier, you want to keep everything in front of you. The Saints do not take big shots down the field often, so they're going to be quick, developing, bang-bang kind of plays, and if you're not ready for them, they could take advantage. Um, So keep it all in front of you. Slow down Alvin Kamara in the run game. You're not going to slow him down all the time. You're not going to get him every single time, but the track record that this Bucs run defense has had against Alvin Kamara over these past season and a half uh, is pretty promising, and I think that they can deliver and really slow him down. Make the Saints offense one-dimensional, and while I don't think you get the mistakes that you got from Daniel Jones, from Drew Brees, I think if you make any offense one-dimensional, you blitz the hell out of them. Definitely opens the door for a little bit of mistakes here and there, and a turnover is, uh, you know, I think the turnover battle simply is what's going to win this game on Sunday as well, if the Bucks are able to force any.
0: Yeah, so uh, in a video that I just recorded here, actually yesterday, I'd mentioned that stopping Alvin Kamara should be priority one num- A, right? Yeah. And then stopping Michael Thomas is priority one B, because that's the entirety—that's <laughs> the entirety of the Saints' offense, in yeah. my opinion. Now you have some really solid guys like Jared Cook, who I think is kind of underrated. Emmanuel Sanders will be out there as well, but if you stop Alvin Kamara and you stop Michael Thomas, that can limit so much as to what the Saints' offense can do. And we saw that in Week 1. I mean, really, the only reason the Saints put up as many points as they did is because the Buccaneers, one, uh, gifted them a pick six, and then, two, gifted them another turnover or two, as, as well as some drive-killing penalties. That's exactly what happened in Week 1, you know? Yeah. So without those turnovers from the Bucs' offense, would have looked like a dramatically different game. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think the Buccaneers defense was doing a good job in week one. I thought that they performed pretty well. And one of the biggest reasons because of that was because they stopped Michael Thomas and they stopped Alvin Kamara. With both those guys dealing with some lingering injuries here, um, should hopefully make things a little bit easier. Um, We should hope for similar results to what happened in week one.
1: And it's funny too, because you know, if the Bucks win this game, all you're gonna hear from Saints fans all week is, Oh, well our guys were injured and all this stuff, but who cares? Sunday night yeah. football, division lead on the line. I am excited. Before we get into some score predictions, James, do you have anything you want to add to the weekly checklist that I forgot to mention?
0: Um, let me see. Shut down Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, stop the short throws. So, so what we talked about play a clean game you know yeah. play play a clean game you know i cannot see and tom brady does not forget right Tom Brady's going to sit down that offensive line and say, hey, guys, remember in week one when Donovan Smith, you were getting beat by backup pass rushers and, uh, you know, we were getting a lot of penalties. Yeah, that, that cannot happen again, offensive line. Let's not do that. And fair credit, Tom Brady does need to play better than what we saw in week one. And I do believe he will. Uh, but that offensive line has got to play a clean game. Same thing with the defense, too. We cannot afford to get... Um, penalties that can extend drives for the Saints or penalties that can just break drives for the Bucks' offense that cannot happen otherwise you're not going to win the game
1: absolutely when you're going up against these powerhouse teams these playoff contenders penalties like that are just backbreaking at any point in the game and um, as we're all too familiar with we have seen the Buccaneers lose the game simply on penalties against Chicago but I will say you know against the Giants you had a call every now and again just because of the refs kind of being the refs but this team, the discipline factor has been improved a little bit. So you know what? From what you've shown us these past couple of weeks, go out there, like James said, play a clean game because that is something that, without a doubt, goes a very, very long way against teams like New Orleans.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then and then the last thing I have is attack with loaded weapons. Okay? I mean, we, we've got them. We've got the weapons. Yeah. You know, Mike Evans, if Chris Godwin plays, Antonio Brown... Rob Gronkowski, Leonard Fournette out of the backfield, uh, even Cam Bray when they actually want to put him on the football field, Byron Leftwich, uh, you know, and then even Scotty Miller as the fourth wide receiver. There's so many things that you can do with this offense now. Like I said this in a video, Byron Leftwich must feel like a kid at a candy store and Bruce Arians must be clawing at the wall to restrain himself from wanting to call plays again. And trusting Byron Leftwich. I mean, it's just insane to think about. You can't make a team on Madden that's, that has this many weapons. Yeah. You know, and that the caliber of weapons at that. Um, So, to, you know, the greatest quarterback of all time at the helm throwing the football to these guys. You've got to take advantage. I've seen a lot of Saints fans really kind of complain about their secondary this year. That they aren't doing that good. Specifically the safeties like Marcus Williams and Malcolm Jenkins. Uh, let's see if the Bucks can take advantage of that, you know, and in a little bit of a shaky cornerback room as well. Apparently, they haven't been playing that good since the Bucks game. And, um, yeah, let, let's just see what they can do. You know, they've got the talent there on paper. They have got an insane caliber of weaponry uh, with Tom Brady leading the way. Take advantage of that.
1: Absolutely. And just to kind of put an asterisk on that same point. I'd love to see a little more diversity with the play calling this week. It seemed like against New York, it was a little vanilla. Um, And really all I want, commit to the run game, call play action a little bit more because Evan ran a stat. The Buccaneers on play action were like 10 for 11, 110 yards. And I think like two touchdowns. Um, Yeah. So without a doubt, play action is the strong point of developing long impact plays on this offense. It's, It's a Bruce Arians offense, and yeah, Byron Leftwich is calling it. It's still a Bruce Arians offense, so if you want to get those weapons involved, mixing it up with the offensive play calling this week is definitely the way to do it. Let's do some score predictions and get the hell out of here. We talked about a high-scoring game. I think this is a higher-scoring game from both teams. I think it is a nail-biter, and I think Ryan Suckup. Your NFC Special Teams Player of the Week is the man who gets it done for us on a game-winning drive. My final score prediction, Buccaneers get their revenge, and they take the NFC South hostage with a 7-2 and record. Holy hell. My final score in this one, 34-31 Tampa Bay on a game-winning field goal.
0: Okay, I'm I'm actually going to go with a similar score here. Um, I'm going to say that it's going to be 38-35. Okay. I don't, I don't, but I don't think it'll be off of a game winning field goal from Ryan Suckup. I think that, yes, Ryan Suckup, well, he will make the field goal that puts the Buccaneers ahead, but I think the Saints will get the ball back and uh, the defense will just shut him down.
1: There we go. Definitely looking forward to it. Guys, if you have your own score predictions or any, uh, you know, predictions for this Sunday night, make sure you leave them in the comments below if you're checking us out on YouTube. And with all of that being said, That's just about going to do it for this episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening on any of our podcast outlets, or of course, as I had just mentioned, checking us out with video over on YouTube. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe. We got some awesome content over on our YouTube channel, putting out a bunch of stuff every single week, and a new hype video is going to be coming out this Friday, which I am very, very excited about. So make sure you subscribe. You can click the little bell icon and get notified whenever we upload a show, go live or whatever the case may be. Thank you to my man, James, AKA Mr. Bucks nation here on YouTube, the King undisputed of Buccaneers, YouTube, James, where can the people find you and your awesome content?
0: So obviously I'm here on YouTube at Mr. Bucks nation. Um, you know, I'm sure I'll be talking in the comments as well. Just kind of hanging out. Um, yeah, man, been, been doing real good on the channel so far. We just passed 8,000. Um, now we're on the road to nine and, uh, excited man excited for this game i'll be having content coming out all this week just uploaded as of the recording of this podcast my matchups to watch video and i've got players to watch keys to victory the preview video as well as um some other content coming out this week as well so very exciting
1: Hell yeah, looking forward to it, and uh, call it a bold prediction, but I definitely think that you hit 10K subscribers before the end of the regular season, but definitely go check it out, guys. Mr. Bucks Nation on YouTube. Thank you for coming in and filling in this week, my friend. A pleasure, as always. You can find the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast, basically the top place to go for any updates on the show, and of course, Buccaneer news as it happens. And you can find myself on social media, Instagram, and Twitter. Both of those are Reticus, R H E T T A K U S. And if you follow me, I promise I will follow you back. That's just about going to do it for this week's game preview. I am your host, Rhett Matthews, signing off for my co host, James Hill. We'll talk to you guys Monday after the game. Go, Bucks.
0: Thank you for listening to Believe.